Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Eco Chic. This is a podcast all about practical science and sustainability. My name is Laura, and I'm a graduate student studying climate science. This podcast is a place that I like to share a lot of things that I take for granted about general climate change education or personal sustainability efforts. So things that are not necessarily common knowledge, but totally should be. We are talking every week about climate change and sustainability from a bunch of different angles, but also just personal tips on how to be a more responsible citizen of the planet. If you are new to EcoChic, welcome. I am so excited to have you here. And if you are returning, welcome back. I am so happy that you're back. I would like to start the episode just thanking everybody for the support and the encouragement that I've received through this podcast. I really appreciate, of course, all of my incredibly supportive friends when the podcast started, but everyone has been sharing this with their friends and rating and reviewing and following along on their preferred listening platform. And I'm just so thankful that this podcast is really resonating with people and I'm thankful to have this position where I can put out information on sustainability and the environment that is helpful and practical and casual in conversation because I'm a big believer that climate change education does not need to be like a big feat for anyone. It should be something that we're talking about casually and something that we are talking about in every aspect of our life. So I'm really glad that EcoChic can be a place where you go for that information. Today on EcoChic, I'm really excited to be opening the conversation about menstrual cups. Menstrual cups are a sustainable alternative to cotton tampons and pads, and for some reason, the conversation around periods is still a little bit taboo. It's 2018, we like to think of ourselves as a really woke millennial generation, but you know what? Maybe we're not. We have to just bring these conversations to the forefront. Periods are something that 50% of our population goes through, and we're all a little bit uncomfortable talking about them for some reason openly in society. We're talking today with Betsy Drock of The Dot Cup. I'm so excited to be opening the conversation about everything you've ever wanted to know about menstrual cups, what they're made of, why they're a good move for your health, for the environment, and this one-for-one model that she has really embodied and what menstruation looks like around the world. So I hope you really enjoy this conversation and let's get into it. Well, hello, Betsy. Thank you so much for joining me today on Eco Chic. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, Before we get into it, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit and just telling the audience about DOT? 
Of course, yes. My name is Betsy Drock. I live in Chicago, Illinois. And this past March on International Women's Day, I launched Dot Cup, which is um, a company um, that sells menstrual cups one for one. So we manufacture and produce them here in the Midwest. And uh, for every menstrual cup that we sell, we donate one to a woman or girl without access to menstrual products. So um, there are, you know, thousands and thousands of women and girls around the world who don't have access to menstrual products. And as a result, they generally stay home um, during their period. So that causes them to miss school, to miss work, um, to just fall behind in life in general. And a lot of times they end up dropping out of school or quitting their jobs altogether just because it's so hard to keep up when you're talking about 12 weeks a year um, that you're missing. So a simple tool like a menstrual cup can help um, help a woman or a girl stay in school, help her finish school, um, help her avoid getting married at a really young age. And the cycle kind of continues, you know, that when a girl stays in school all the way through, it's less likely that she'll get married young. It's more likely that she'll eventually get a job and be able to provide for her family and just have, um, more of a, a strong voice in her community and her society. So such a small tool can, can really change the game for um, women around the world um, and for women uh, in Western communities as well. Women, um, I always like to say women with means should be purchasing them and women with without the means to purchase one, um, I want to get one in their hands as well. So that's, that's kind of hence the one-for-one one model. That's awesome. I really love that you touched on the aspect of just like girls' education and empowering women in their societies via um, menstrual cups because it is definitely a huge problem. And I was reading something recently that educating and supporting and empowering women and girls um, is something like the number five or six, you know, best um, solution we have to combat climate change, which I thought was Mm. a really interesting statistic. That is interesting. I haven't heard that one. Yeah, I'll definitely have to send you um, a little bit of that research wherever I read it. Um, Before we get into the environmental aspects, could we just go over what a menstrual cup is if someone is not familiar with them? Of course. That's a great question because I still, it's, I I always love being in larger groups of women where I kind of either have an opportunity to speak or I was recently at a conference where I had a booth set up and it always um, is interesting to me just the wide spectrum of where women are coming from um, when in their familiarity with menstrual cups. So, you know, in the example of the booth um, that I was, I was um, had at this conference about a week ago, uh, there were a few people who came and talked to me who um, had never, ever heard of a menstrual cup. They were hearing about it for the very first time, and there were a few who said, I've been using a menstrual cup for seven years. I love it. You know, awesome work that you're doing. And then the majority kind of fall into the middle where they're, they've heard of it. I had so many people come up to me and say, okay, my sister uses one of these. My best friend uses one of these. My coworker uses one of these, and I've been curious about it. I'm interested, but I have a few questions. So that's where the majority of people that I come into contact are, are kind of hovering in that middle ground. Um, so a menstrual cup is a medical grade silicone reusable alternative to tampon. So it's worn inside of the body. 
Um, it's shaped similar, about the same circumference as a hair tie, um, and it's shaped like a little bell, and the way you insert it is that you fold it. There are a number of ways to fold it, to insert it, and when you insert it inside of your body, it pops open, and it really hugs the walls of your vagina, which makes it difficult for leaks to happen. So I'm not going to say leaks never happen, but it's less likely than a tampon. So if you think about a tampon, um, it's cotton, and it's like a sponge. So when a tampon is full, the only way that that extra fluid has, the only place it has to go is to drip out. So eventually a tampon is inevitably going to leak. But with a menstrual cup, um, it serves as a barrier. So since it's hugging the walls in there and since it's um, serving as a barrier, uh, it, it really collects your menstrual fluid. And when it's full, it starts to just sink a little bit. It starts to drop. Um, and you can kind of feel that drop. And then when you know it's full, you just um, pull it out. You empty it in the toilet and you put it back in. Um, if you're at home, you can rinse it out and wash it. If you're in public, you can put it put it back in and um, rinse it or wash it when you're at home. So um, a menstrual cup can be used for about 10 years and worn for about 12 hours. One of my favorite things about a menstrual cup is that it holds, at least the dot cup, holds about three times the amount of a super tampon. So that's one thing that always surprises people, especially with heavy periods. Wait, that's incredible. Yeah, that's one of the, the greatest benefits. I think that people always surprise people. I have a lot of people with heavy periods come to me and say, you know, I've been nervous about using a menstrual cup because they look so small and I have a really heavy flow. And I always tell them, well, then you're in luck because uh, it holds about three times the amount of a super tampon. So you'll be changing or emptying it much less than with tampons. Wow, that's amazing. So um, just the idea of using less tampons is really awesome because tampons are really wasteful for the most part. Um, at least here in America, they're always in um, little plastic applicators. There are some that yes. are applicatorless. But it's a lot of trash that you produce when you are um, buying tampons. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to account for the plastic um, applicators. You have to account for the cotton um, and paper themselves. But mm -hmm. then on top of that, a lot of times the actual production of making and manufacturing tampons um, emits a lot of chemicals into the air. You know, there's it's just there's so many aspects. And then, of course, the waste that's sent to landfills because of tampons. So, yes, the, the environmental impact is extreme. I actually read an, uh, a statistic recently that said about 35% of waste discovered in the ocean is because of um, tampons and pads, which is so <gasps> sickening to hear. Wow. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, when you're, I don't, I, I don't know about you, but I've been to a beach before where I've seen a tampon applicator, you know, laying mm -hmm. on the beach somewhere and it really makes you wonder like, why is this here? Was somebody really putting in a tampon here but a lot of times I think it just washes up on the beach um, because people either um, are disposing it in the beach or or you know landfill style is being is disposed in the ocean somewhere somehow um, you know it really makes you wonder how it gets there but yeah about 35% was the statistic that I read wow that's ridiculous um I have definitely had a similar experience where I just, like, see a tampon applicator somewhere where it doesn't need to be. And right. I'm just like, how did it get here? Why is this, why is this our current situation? Um, 
You briefly mentioned cotton, which I'm really excited that you mentioned because, you know, a lot of the time when people think about going more environmentally friendly with their menstrual products, it's just, you know, organic cotton tampons. Um, And that doesn't really solve all the environmental issues that go along with it. But the dot cup is made from silicone, you mentioned. So I was wondering if you could talk about that for a little bit because um, I've heard some misconceptions about plastic menstrual cups, which is not really fair because plastic is not as malleable as silicone. Um, But I was wondering if you could just like talk about why you want a cup that's made of silicone. Yeah, so silicone is one of the... um the best materials when it comes to allergies. So a lot of people have allergies to um, to different kind of chemical materials, especially latex, um, certain plastics. But silicone is a really low allergenic material. Um, also, it's a material that has a really low response to bacteria. So when it mm. comes to toxic shock syndrome bacteria breeds off of cotton fibers. And so that's part of why um, toxic shock is such a risk with tampons. But with menstrual cups, it's definitely that you can still potentially contract um, toxic shock syndrome from using a menstrual cup, but it's much less likely. And the risk is much lower because that those cotton fibers are not present. So um, silicone is a great material. We use the same FDA-approved medical-grade silicone that's used in a lot of um, uh, implanted, uh, surgically implanted pieces, um, whether it's hearing aids, whether it's um, surgical parts, whether it's a baby bottle, nipple, or pacifier. It's just a very safe material to use and to, uh, inside of the body. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that um, all of these materials were made out of the same medical-grade silicone, so I'm really glad that you touched on that. Yeah, there are definitely various types of medical-grade silicone, but um, the type that we use is approved by the FDA, and, and yeah, it's very safe to use, and, and not many people um, have allergic reactions to it. Oh, that's great. Um, are there any other like health, wellness-type benefits to a silicone menstrual cup, such as DOT, that we haven't really touched on yet? Um, I would say just the only other thing is you touched on the um, organic cotton tampons and pads, and I think that that is a great alternative to um, your regular tampons and pads that we've been using for years that are a lot of them chemically treated. But the thing about that is that they're very expensive, for one. They're still producing waste, for two, and there's still um, just that risk of toxic shock syndrome. So I think the greatest benefit to a menstrual cup comes in that if you want to wear it longer, which I think most of us do, um, you don't want to think about your period when you're on your period. So if you want to be able to wear it as long as you possibly can um, and sleep with it, there's just not that as high of a risk. You know, of course, you need to use it correctly. You need to make sure it's clean. Um, Every so often, you need to boil your menstrual cup. Um, You know, once a day, you need to wash it with soap and water, just those types of things. Um, But otherwise, there's, it's just a a safer um, product to use, especially wearing it for longer periods of time. Oh, great. And that was a really nice little wrap up to um, our conversation on menstrual cups. And (laughs) (laughs) um, before we before we started recording, we were talking about kind of this taboo that's associated with menstrual cups. And I'm so glad that we could have this conversation just really openly and honestly about this awesome product you've created and this really great like one for one model. If you want to just briefly like go over um, 
could you talk about like how you got in interested in this one for one model? Because I did read an interview of yours online that had a really great backstory. Sure. Yeah. And I love that you um, bring up the word taboo just because that has been just an overarching theme in the process of me launching this company and something that I think we all have a little bit, maybe without realizing it. And I didn't think that I had any sort of internal taboos um, related to periods of menstruation. But as I started on this journey, I realized very quickly that I did. Um Especially because in order to start the company, I I was sort of forced into um, many conversations surrounding periods, and especially in the manufacturing industry, I learned that the manufacturing manufacturing industry is made up of mostly men, and so I found myself having conversations about periods and the functionality of a menstrual cup and how it works and how I wanted it to feel and the smoothness and softness and all of those things with these middle-aged men about my dad's age and at first that was very uncomfortable for me and I think it was very uncomfortable for a lot of um, the men that I spoke with but I have since become very comfortable um, speaking about it with anyone and I, I actually enjoy when it when it ends up being a, a middle-aged man on the phone just because it sort of makes me have this moment of like you don't know you're in for a treat here you're, I'm gonna make sure you get comfortable talking about this and your wife will thank me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll give you a little bit more. Um, you asked sort of a, about the backstory, and basically, after my friend first introduced me to um, the menstrual cup itself, that was about seven years ago. It was around the same period of time that I ended up on uh, two trips, sort of close to each other, one to Cambodia and one to Kenya. And on those trips, um, I I met lots of women and girls who didn't have access to menstrual products, and it just hit me um, how paralyzing that would be. And I cannot imagine going about my day and my life here in the United States even without having products um, that I need and, and using um, cloth or leaves or a newspaper as a way to um, treat my menstrual cycle and then just hoping for the best, you know, going out in public and hoping you're not going to leak, hope, hoping you're not going to be embarrassed or feel that shame um, surrounding your period. And so it was sort of a collision of those two things that I was... Um, started to become such an evangelist for menstrual cups um, within my own circles, but then um, when I was on those two international trips, thought, oh my gosh, menstrual cups are such a sustainable solution for women who need menstrual products, and there were a lot of organizations, and still are, who donate um, disposable products, but that's really not sustainable, and they run out so quickly, and, and then are, are having the same, you know, environmental impact um, overseas as they would here, the same negative environmental impact. So it was sort of that, that aha moment where I thought more women around the world need this product, so how can we get it into the hands of more women? And so the one-for-one one model just kind of made sense, and I happened to be working for a um, – doing graphic design and marketing for an um, international community development organization called World Vision, and um, they are 
our distribution partner for Dot Cups. And so um, that was really what inspired me to start the company, um, along with just in my own use of menstrual cups and in doing research about menstrual cups and what people loved about them, hated about them. We actually developed and manufactured our own um, patented design of a menstrual cup. So um, I knew that I, as much as I loved the menstrual cup that I was using, I knew it could be a little bit better. It could be improved. And um, so it was kind of all of those reasons that I, I wanted to launch the company. And I wish I could say I launched it right when I had the idea, but I sort of put it on the shelf for a few years and wrote a business plan and then put it back on the shelf and then, you know, started to design a logo and then put it back on the shelf. So there was a lot of fear associated with going out and doing it and a lot of risk, but um, I'm so happy that I did and, and it seems like um, a lot of Dot Cup users are, are also happy about that. So there's there's been a lot of positive response since our launch in May and I'm so thankful for that. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Congratulations on launching this company so recently. I feel like I've heard so much about you online, and I'm so glad that I got to talk to you you. today. I'm just so excited to, again, just be opening this conversation, and I really wish you the best. I'm so, so excited about um, this company. Thank you so much. Where can everyone find you online? Where can everyone purchase a dot cup? I would say the best place that people can follow along with our journey is on Instagram, which is at dotcup, D-O-T-C-U-P, and also um, on our website, which is dotforall.com, D-O-T-F-O-R-A-L-L.com. Awesome. And I will definitely have that all linked in the show notes so that people can find you really easily. Perfect. Um, Great. Well, thank you again so much for coming on today. I'm so excited to hear you. Of course. Thank you for having me and, and thank you for what you're doing to change the game and change the taboos and also to, to love our earth. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Betsy. I am so excited to see where Dot Cup goes and I'm excited to have this conversation with y'all about menstrual products. So I will have all of the links down below of where you can buy your own Dot Cup and where you can follow them along on Instagram, like Betsy said. And I'm really looking forward to your feedback on what you think of bringing these more um, taboo topics to the podcast. This week's listener question was about staying sustainable while camping. So this is a great question because it just requires a little bit of foresight, and it really doesn't require a whole lot more work if you're already planning on car camping. And, you know, you're packing up your car with your little camper stove and your tents and whatever. And a lot of the time it's just easy to believe that if you have disposable products, you're going to, you know, have an easier time packing up and moving along from your campsite. However, I find that it's kind of more of a pain to use disposable products than it is to use a reusable cup or a reusable utensil set or something along those lines. Um, Just because you will have access to water at a developed campsite a lot of the time, at least where I typically go to camp, um, there is access to water. So it's easy to just rinse off things and then not have to carry around a lot of trash when you don't always have easy access to a trash can. So that's just something to think about. It tends to be a lot easier to be sustainable while you're camping than it is to just use a lot of disposable products. On the same topic, I love to have a little compost bin. So usually it's like a takeout container that I've repurposed and my friends and I will just put our food scraps from cooking in there and then we will bring it home to compost. So this is a little bit trickier because you don't have a freezer so your compost will start to smell if you are, you know, 
just sitting outside for five or six days. But for the most part, if it's just a weekend trip, it's pretty easy to just have a compost container and then bring it home and compost it because, again, you're not going to have easy access to a trash can. So in that sense, it's a lot easier to just consolidate everything a sustainable camping trip is actually kind of a lot easier, at least in my opinion, than your typical disposable lifestyle. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I really appreciate the support. I appreciate the good vibes, the rating and the reviewing. Please go ahead and share this with your friends. Let me know what you think. I'm always really interested to talk to y'all. You can do so by DMing me on Instagram. That's the easiest way to get in contact with me. I am at Laura E. Diaz, or you can send me an email, which I will have down in the show notes. It's Laura at LauraEDiaz.com. And otherwise, I really look forward to talking to you next week.